Now, if you'll keep quiet, I will speak to my people in my language of Punjabi. The backlash there, Randy Orton, Haruga, the Jinder Mahal, Banuga, WWE champion. They are WWE, the veteran Raj Kataya Raj, Jinder Mahal, Raj Kataya Raj, Jinder Mahal, Maharaja. Welcome to Orsini's Uncensored Mind, and now your host, AJ Orsini. Goddamn day of my life. The worst. This is way worse than that time I stubbed my toe and the nail came clean off. This this is worse than than any day that I ever had as a student in school. This is the worst day ever. I'm feeling legit pain hearing you. People are snickering. I was trying to vent my emotions on the social media. On the facade book. I went on the facade book to tell people about my pain and you laughed. You laughed at me. You laughed at all of the people. The 1.3 billion you laughed. But you'll see. You'll see who has the last laugh. My name is AJ Orsini, and this is episode five of Orsini's Uncensored Mind. And there is literally nothing else, nothing else I can lead with. I have a whole sheet. I have a sheet here of things that I'm supposed to be talking about, and I, I can't bear, I can't bear to do this podcast today. I can't. 170 days, 170 days coming to an end. I can't believe it. You people on the internets, you can believe it, but I can't. I can't believe it. This was a poor decision. A poor decision. The WWE Championship was in bliss. It was going through one of its greatest periods of all time. We were hitting all new financial records in the WWE. Did you see that post-quarterly? My goodness. The, uh, we finally had a WWE champion that was leading the way. That was being a leader. And they stripped him. They stripped him. They, they couldn't stand it anymore. And they had to get the great white hope behind him. They had to set things right. Because they knew. They knew. Jinder Mahal was about to set box office records at Survivor Series. He was going to coloss that beast out of his damn boots and become the ultimate supreme champion. That's what Jinder Mahal was about to do. Now, in case you're hearing all this rambling and you're wondering what the hell happened, AJ, what happened? What are you so upset about? Last night... Whether you watched, uh, attended the taping or read the spoilers, regardless of all that, it was made official last night when it aired. The phenomenal AJ Styles is now, not forever, but for right now, the placeholder and paper champion and possessor of the WWE Championship. Jinder Mahal lost last night. And can you blame him? 
There's so much on his plate right now. So much on Jinder Mahal's plate right now. He's carrying the blue brand on his acne-infected back, which we all know is a natural thing. Nothing at all to do with steroids. None. For those of you out there who are unaware of how the steroids work, he's carrying the brand on his back. He's beating all challengers, and now he's trying to mentally prepare for a beast. Not just any beast, but the beast incarnate. And you sick AJ Styles on him, blindside him, sucker punch the champion, if you will. Because you don't have the balls to just set up AJ and Jinder at a later date when he was prepared for AJ like a champion should be. You sucker punch him, you sidewind him, and you end a lengthy, prosperous, and very viable WWE Championship reign. Jinder Mahal is champion no more, but don't you fret. 1.3 billion. 1.3 billion and one, because I'm in there too. I'm literally, I'm going to write that down. One billion. I'm going to write it down numerically with commas and shit. Hold on. Billion. One, no, one billion. Three million. That's how that works, right? With the point. Yeah, what's the point? 1.3, all these zeros, and then the last one right here, one. One. 1.3 billion and one. Because that's me, y'all. Been on this gender bandwagon since 2012. Holla, holla. This man deserves to be champion still. What's going to happen now? You'll have to tune in to SmackDown to find out. But this is this is disgraceful. It's sad. It really is sad. This is a championship reign that was working. It was making money, you fools. Now you got AJ Styles as the champion. I hope, I hope you internet fans are happy. I hope you're happy. I hope you're dancing in your PJs right now. And I hope you enjoy this day. Soak it in. Memorize it. Commit it to memory. Because these days are far and few between, my friend. Because Jinder Mahal, my champion, my Maharaja, will get his championship back. I guarantee you. Now, where does that leave us on SmackDown Live as far as representatives go? Because now... AJ Styles is the WWE Champion, which would put him in the matchup against the Universal Champion, Raw, and that's Brock Lesnar. So let's talk about that for a second, because now we've got champion versus championship matches, and in case nobody's been paying attention, up until last night, all of the champions, the Universal Champion, the IC, the US, the tag titles, the women's, every goddamn champion was a heel. Which makes sense when you're feuding your heels with baby faces, but when you're doing champion versus champion matches and they're all heels, you pretty have a pretty much have four or five matches on your card that are gonna be heel versus fucking heel. We had a tag team match with a baby versus a heel. They changed that. Cesaro and Sheamus are now the WWE Raw Tag Team Champions, so they'll be going to Survivor Series, take on the Usos. So now we're back to heel versus heel. Unless the Usos have officially turned. I'm still confused on how that works. They're getting face reaction, but they're still acting like they, they're heel selves. I'm, I'm confused by that. We'll see how that works out. But as far as I'm concerned, they're still heel. So, heel versus heel in the tag team ranks. Heel versus heel in the women's championship match. Heel versus heel, IC versus US. Now... With the Universal Champion against the Championship, I guess Brock Lesnar's not really so much a heel as he is just Brock Lesnar. That's like the third option. It's a heel, it's babyface, and then it's Brock Lesnar. Yeah, you could be a heel, you can learn to be a babyface, or you can study up and become a Brock Lesnar. I guess those are your options. People call them tweeners, but I don't know. Kind of seems like a stupid name to me. But yes, AJ Styles now is slotted in that position to go against Brock Lesnar. Is it a better matchup? I don't know about that. I don't know if it's a better matchup. I think Jinder Mahal would have went in there. Had a great match with Brock Lesnar. Beaten him as he should have. Coloss, one, two, three, clean pin. I mean, if Goldberg can take out Brock Lesnar in 80 seconds, Jinder should, have bas Jinder should just basically steamroll right through Brock Lesnar. 
There's no doubt about that. And if you're saying to yourself, well, if he could steamroll through Brock Lesnar, why couldn't he steamroll through AJ last night? He wasn't, I just said it, I said it at the beginning of this, he wasn't focusing on AJ Styles. He's not focusing on AJ Styles. He's focusing on Brock Lesnar, as he should, the beast incarnate. So, I had all these different things that I wanted to fucking get to. There's so many fucking things. That, look at this shit. Look at this shit. I really wanted to get to a lot of this shit. Jesus Christ. <sighs> I had to open with that. Wasn't even on my list of shit. Look at all this list of shit I got. Jesus fucking Christ. Any fucking way. Longest way to do an intro ever of all time. I can't. So angry I had to go through all that. <sighs> Frustration. Yeah, maybe it's my personal situation and I'm just venting. Yeah, my personal situation being that uh, today, let me see, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Today is day five of my seven-day run as Mr. Mom in my house. My wife is still away in Puerto Rico. Uh, the house is still standing. Uh, my son and I have enough food to last us an additional two days. At that point, we will probably be waving white flags out of the window and trying to text uh, our next of kin to let them know what parts of the house will be theirs when we uh, when we inevitably pass. So we're figuring this out. I miss my wife very much. And to not have my wife here and to have Jinder Mahal lose the championship. <sighs> shit day. What a shit day. What was that uh, That clip from uh, from MacGruber? Today is a today is a fucking asshole of a day. That's what today is. So, yes, there are other things that I wanted to get to. Changing the format up a little bit here, of course. I'm always being fluid with this shit. Uh, living and learning, trying to get to different things, trying to get to different topics. Uh, if you guys notice on the last episode, I ran commercial free. I did not have my usual commercials. Um... And the reason for that is because uh, I'd, I'd ran those commercials pretty much every episode. I have some other commercials that um, that are on deck that are going to come up. I've been very fortunate to meet up with uh, a few people as far as sponsorship goes and um, getting their product out there and letting you guys know about that. Uh, those old commercials will be coming back at some point. Um, but I, I'm giving this another run with commercial free. I'm going to go straight through like I did before, see how this goes. Um, if I'm finding it to be more fluid of a show without doing the actual commercials within the show and finding a time maybe before or after, I don't know. I'm trying to work this all out. I'm trying to get a formula down to see how I feel about how I'm going to be doing this in the future. Um, I liked having the flow of just going straight up. I thought it was cool. That's why I got, I kind of got hyped and, um, I had like three or four major points that I went over last time with the Halloween stuff and. This time around, uh, just so much shit happened this fucking week that I was kind of cutting shit out. I was like, there's just been so much shit going on in this goddamn place that uh, there were several things I needed to get to. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and get into those things. The one the one topic that um, I feel like I have to hit because it's a, a respect factor, but uh, I'm going to preface it by saying that uh, I'm just getting sick and tired of this bullshit and the bullshit being for those of you who are living under a rock i know that's the second time i've used that euphemism in this show but i don't care um texas there was another mass shooting uh this time in texas it just feels like i mean the last episode i took a minute to talk about the truck driver in lower manhattan uh, i distinctly remember doing the las vegas shooter i think episode two it just seems I've only been doing this for five weeks. And in the five weeks, it just seems like the death toll is just climbing every other fucking week. So I don't want to disrespect the families of those who have lost loved ones in this situation. I, I really feel terrible about it. I really do. But I can't. I only have an hour per episode and I can't keep dedicating so much time to all this tragedy. Like, I don't know. It just keeps... I don't want to say it's bringing the vibe of the show down, but at the same time, it's like, is it me or just it's like every week there's another tragedy? You know, Las Vegas was another situation, 50 plus dead, 500 plus injured. The truck driver situation in Manhattan wasn't uh, a high 
casualty counts, but it, the fact that it was a terrorist situation in Lower Manhattan, mere blocks away from where 9-11 took place. I mean, it was a very symbolic situation. And now here we take ourselves to First Baptist Church in Texas and a gentleman who was just disturbed as fuck and has been disturbed as fuck for quite a while. Apparently, this is news to people that he was a sick fuck. You know, he beat his wife and he beat his stepkids and he's had problems at work and he's had dishonorable was it dishonorable or bad i think it was i'm gonna i'm gonna get it right i'm gonna be specific it was a bad bad con bad excuse me bad conduct discharge from the air force i mean this guy's been a bad dude for forever and the guy comes over to a church and starts shooting shit up and he goes inside the church i mean we had children lose their lives we had senior citizens we had your everyday average people i mean in this church i mean it was just uh a day of worship turned into a day of massacre. And it just seems like every fucking week was another fucking situation. Every fucking week, there just seems to be another fucking uh, situation where there's loss of life and there's injuries and and the gun control argument is coming up. And then, well, mental health issues. Again, I'm not a very political person. And it just seems like nowadays everything's fucking political and everything is agenda, and everything is, uh, uh, there's a backstory to it, unless it's this, and then if it's this, and it's not really a backstory, it's just plain old terrorism. So, I I do feel for those who lost their lives, or the families of those who have lost their lives in this situation, and and I hope that they get some sort of um, peace about this down the line, obviously not anytime soon, not this week, or tomorrow or within the month this is it's, it's a process it's going to take a long time i've lost family members i've lost friends i i know that that grieving process can definitely differ not just per person but per death you know the the person who lost a friend is going to grieve but the the the, the grandmother i saw a few videos just earlier today the grandmother who lost her daughter and three out of five of her grandchildren in that church with the fourth still fighting for his life uh, currently, as we speak, I mean, that person's going to grieve probably till they die. You know, that's going to be that's how the rest of your life is going to be that that day changed it forever. So I don't want to downplay what's taking place. But I also know that every every week I just seem to be doing a segment on just severe loss of life. And, and I don't know. I just I just feel like there's been so much said about it already from people who are much more knowledgeable about the situation than myself. So I, I will I will concede to them to let them spread the memory of those who lost their lives and for the real investigators to get more information out there. I'm just a messenger. I'm just a dude with a microphone sharing some opinions. And to be honest, sharing opinions on tragedy, it just it doesn't seem right. So I, I, I mention it. I, I pay my respects to it. But I will be moving on from that, and that will be pretty much my segment on that. I'm not going to keep harping on that stuff. I mean, at this point, it's just copy and paste. Human beings are disgusting. I've always said that. I will always say that till I die. I'm not an optimist when it comes to humanity. I'm definitely a pessimist. Always have been. And for every time somebody tells me, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Well, hold your breath, because next week something else is going to happen. And I've only this is like my fifth week doing a podcast, and it's like the third week now where I've had to talk about some sort of tragic situation. So that's where I stand on that. Thank you for letting me get that out. And let's get to some other shit because we got a, I have a whole laundry list of shit here that I definitely want to fucking talk about. And uh, I'm gonna start off with the sports world, more specifically the fucking NFL, because the NFL kind of stepped into my realm. AJ Green, no relation on the AJ part. AJ Green, who's a wide receiver of Cincinnati Bengals, decided he wanted to test out his pro wrestling skills on the field. Not entirely sure if you guys saw this on Sunday. So AJ Green is a, he's the wide receiver. I said it, I said it already. He's the wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. And obviously, if you're a wide receiver, you're being defended by a cornerback. And they so Cincinnati was playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they had a cornerback by the name of Jalen. Jalen Ramsey, who apparently has a reputation of being kind of a chirpy, talky kind of fucking player. Like, he's going to get in your fucking head. He's going to yap all fucking game. And apparently he's got this reputation. 
Well, on the other side, A.J. Green has a reputation of always kind of being a calm, cool, collective player. You really can't get into his head. You know, he's really a mature individual. Like, you would think that these two would kind of like, it would be a decent matchup. He's going to talk shit. The other guy's not really going to go for it. And it's just going to be a real physical game. Well, guess what? Jalen did get into his head. He did chirp. And A.J. Green wasn't having that shit. And this fucking guy actually went for a fucking sleeper hold. A legit fucking chin lock pulls the fucking guy out of the ground and starts punching his fucking helmet. It was awesome, bro. It was fucking great. Like, if you go to, you could fucking YouTube it right now. I YouTubed it earlier. Like, I heard about it over the weekend. But I knew that I, I also really, I only saw like a few clips of it on SportsCenter. And I knew I wanted to fucking talk about it on the podcast. So I YouTubed like the whole, like the full clip. I wanted to see it from like formation down to the actual fucking fight. And you can hear the commentators explain it, that they've been chirping and been real talky like all fucking game and eventually just fucking exploded. So Adrian Green just fucking sleeper holds this kid, fucking goes for the side headlock takedown and then just fucking starts wailing on this fucking guy. And then here come the players. Everyone's trying to break it up. They're running in with spears trying to get each other. Uh, it was a fucking mess. A fucking mess. A, a good mess, though. I fucking loved it. I fucking had a great time watching it. I, I I know it shouldn't happen all the time, but man, every now and then a good fucking football fight's great. We were for a, a sport as physical as football, we don't get enough fucking fights. Like hockey, we kind of anticipate it. Baseball, baseball has like a full fucking cleared dugout look, like it's a brawl. You know, I'm not really looking for a brawl. I'd love to see two physical specimens just fucking fight, like like two wrestlers, but all football players. So these fucking guys went at it. For those of you keeping score at home, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals and the Jaguars, uh, they, the final score of that game, 23-7, to Jaguars won 40 minutes of, uh, of possession. I mean, they had the ball for like four fucking ever. Let in every statistical category, the Jaguars just put a fucking thumping on the Cincinnati Bengals, which is probably what contributed to A.J. Green finally saying, fuck it, I can't do this anymore, and just snapping on the fucking guy. But, uh, but yeah, so the Jaguars walked away with the win. The Jaguars are actually looking pretty good this year. They've been a perennial bitches for forever. So I'm glad all that losing counted for something. Good draft picks. They got young. They got tough. And they're playing great. If this kid, Jalen Ramsey, can keep his fucking head on straight, he actually might be uh, a decent player down the line. Because A.J. Green's no fucking joke, guys. A Pro Bowl-level athlete. So the fact that he can get into his head to the point where AJ... Now, they were both ejected. I, I should actually say that, too. I should preface all that by saying he was actually... He was ejected as well. So uh, it wasn't like Jalen talked and then nothing happened. Like, he provoked this fight and then got his ass kicked and then he just went back on the field. They were both held responsible for their actions and eventually both ejected. And uh, speaking of ejection, okay, we're going to go from the gridiron to the hardwood here. I'm going to switch over to the NBA real quick because... Uh, Again, for those of you who do not follow the NBA, uh, as a New Yorker, and I know most of my audience right now is probably from the New York area, uh, Carmelo Anthony, no longer a New York Nick, everyone knows that part. He got traded to the Oklahoma City, everyone knows that part. What you probably don't know, unless you were watching just the other day, as a matter of fact, it happened almost at the 5th, so about, what, three days ago? So the Oklahoma City Thunder are in Portland, Oregon. They're playing the Portland Trailblazers. And Carmelo Anthony is taking the ball to the hoop. And a gentleman by the name of Joseph Nurkic. Nurkic? I'm going to go with Nurkic because it sounds awesome. All right. Nurkic goes up for the block. He meets him up at the top by the rim. Fucking Carmelo throws his elbows out. They all tumble to the ground. Carmelo actually makes the fucking bucket. But Nurkic... He's on the fucking ground holding his face like he got big booted, square in his fucking mouth. And the whistles get blown. Referees are looking over the instant replays. They call two flagrant fouls on Carmelo and the guy's fucking gone. Now, by the tone in my voice, I'm hoping I'm letting you know that that was shocking to me. <laughs> shocking to me because I've been playing ball for a long fucking time. And while it was a, a very aggressive fucking drive to the basket, at best, one flagrant. I mean, he threw, he did throw his fucking elbows out, but we don't know that he was throwing him out defensively or with intent to hurt. We don't know what the intention was because it wasn't like Melo was looking directly at this guy and just fucking gave him two Mongolian elbows. I'm throwing in Mongolian because of the chap. I don't know if, it's, if you do dual elbows, if it's called Mongolian elbows. 
but I'm calling him Mongolian elbows right now. And that's what he did. They gave him two fucking elbows, bing, bang, boom, down the, down, Nurkic went, down he went, and they called two flagrants on this fucking kid and ejected him from the fucking game. Now, foul notwithstanding, I find it ironic because when I originally saw the play, all I saw was the collision. I didn't get to see the full play, court uh, uh, right side to left side. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to watch the full thing. Maybe something happened beforehand that pissed off Carmelo to lead us to believe that this was an intentional elbow. Maybe that's that. I thought maybe that's what I was missing. Maybe the, the reason why they went to two straight flagrants is because he'd been fucking with the kid all game and finally took it too far. So I'm watching the play. N- nothing. Nothing. Carmelo brings the ball down. All right. Isolation like he always does because he's Carmelo Anthony. And believe it or not, there was a reach on Carmelo Anthony. And Carmelo basically essentially got slapped in the fucking face. No whistle. No whistle. Carmelo got fucking slapped in the face for real. Like not for joke. Like not like he grazed him or he did like a slap like motion. No, he slapped him in his face. Like, to the point where mid-dribble, like, Carmelo had to literally use his hand to rearrange his face. Okay? No whistle. Carmelo takes him left, goes to the basket, jumps up, and that's where uh, Nurkic uh, jumped up with him, caught the caught the devil, the Mongolian elbows, and uh, proceeded to channel his inner LeBron and, and basically gave the floor a, a frog splash from the contact. And boom, two flagrants and Carmelo was out. Shocked. Shocked. And then, shocked and then disgusted because the call was shocking. Like, if that's your initial call, that's shocking to me. But to go to the the replay, to go to the screens, like all the refs together as a collective watching this play and coming back out and saying, not nah, two flagrants, he's, he's, he's done, he's out. Whew. Whew. And I get all asked all the time from my friends. It's like, you know, you ball all the time. You're a longtime fan. Do, do you still get into it? Do you still watch it? No. No, not really. I don't because I, I can't get into this shit. I grew up on the 90s Knicks, baby. Like, we, we would take sledgehammers to your fucking hips if you drove to the basket. We was handing out Tanya Harding beatings all day. You wasn't, you wasn't coming into the paint. Against the New York Knickerbockers in the 90s. Nah. So, like, with the hand checking being gone and just the way that the whole game is set up right now, shit like this. I mean, this is why I wanted to talk about it because it was like, what a what a bitch call. And I'm not one of those people that likes to talk about referees. I, for the most part, I don't really give a shit what referees do. If a game comes down to a referee call, you play the shitty game. If a score is 100 to 100, and I could have scored that bucket, but the ref called the foul on me and we lost... Hey, maybe you should have scored twenty more points earlier in the game. I'm not. I'm not a big proponent of arguing with referees, but that was stupid. That was fucking dumb. I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. Yeah, so that that I, I wanted to talk about that, get my feelings out on that because that was just trash. That's trash. That is straight basuda. That's garbage. Hot garbage. That was a terrible fucking play. And I'm not even a Carmelo fan. I respect him. And I hope he does well in Oklahoma City. And that was that was a bullshit play. Bullshit. Didn't like that at all. And that's the NBA there. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm still in sports, folks. We're gonna transition to the next thing. There's a couple things, a couple things. I'm gonna get deeper. As we get deeper into this list, I'm gonna have a lot more to say on shit. But this one's actually gonna be a pretty quick one. Because I was talking about the last two episodes, so I'll finish it off here. Since uh Major League Baseball is now in their off season. Because the World Series is complete. Uh, last episode, uh, Game 1 had just completed with uh, with the Dodgers going up one nothing, uh, As it would work out for the rest of this week, uh, the series would go to seven games. And the Houston Astros, for the first time in franchise history, will walk away a World Series champion. Congratulations, sincerely. As a sports fan, I know I'm a Mets guy. But as a sports fan, uh, congratulations. I love when these organizations uh, do this. And my wife, 
my wife, who's who who's a a, a former baseball fan, I would say, because she doesn't really watch too much of it now, but she hears things. You know, she listens to the ESPN radio just like I do in the morning going to work. And she picked up on a few things, and she she heard that Houston won the World Series, and, and it's the first time in franchise history. And she goes, man, I've been hearing that a lot lately. You know, like uh, the Cubs won last year, and they hadn't won for the first they won for the first time in like 108 years, and 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 and, and the, the the Giants winning, I think it was three their three championships after never really being a, t- a contender for a long time, and. And the angels coming out of nowhere. It's just like she's like, wow. Over the course of like the last ten years or so, like the the Red Sox winning after what was it, eighty six years in the dark. You know, you're going back about ten, fifteen years here. Like, there, with the exception of maybe the Yankees in 09, like there's a lot of new franchises stepping up to the plate. You know, and and uh, I actually have to. I actually have a plan to have my wife on uh, as a guest because you guys would be really fucking amazed as to how much she actually knows about the shit that I talk about on a daily basis. A lot of the shit that I come up with, not just for the show, but just in general, usually fall, filters through her at some point. You know, she's very knowledgeable about shit like this. So I, I would rather have her come in and discuss her point rather than speak for her. And we will do that soon. Um, Black Friday is coming up. So uh, I'm looking to spend a couple bucks on some equipment, get some stuff in, start doing these interviews and start getting people a part of this conversation. So, and uh, she's definitely going to be one of the ones that come on. Definitely. I think you guys would be pleasantly surprised by the shit that she has to say about a lot of this stuff. But back to the Houston Astros. Uh, seven game series. You know, they went seven games in the American League Championship game uh, series. Seven games uh, in the World Series. And they, they pulled it out each time. Uh, MVP honors go to George Springer, who hit five home runs throughout the World Series. I guess that's why they gave him the MVP. Uh, for those of you who don't know. And I didn't know this either until a buddy brought it up to me, uh, and I researched it, so I did confirm it. But George Springer hit five home runs in this World Series, all seven games. That ties the record in World Series history with two other people, uh, Reggie Jackson in the 77 World Series and Chase Utley in 09. And I know a little something about that 09 uh, Chase Utley action because I was in the building uh, when it went down, Yankee Stadium 2009. I uh, worked all those, uh, all those games. So I remember Chase Utley popping them out. And uh, basically pissing off, oh, so many Yankee fans <laughs> that particular year. And uh, speaking of the Phillies and uh, my history with them, which is very limited. I, I basically attended games as a, as a staff member. But uh, as early as yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, Major League Baseball took a, a huge hit. Lost a gentleman yesterday, unfortunately. Uh, I know I wasn't going to speak too much on tragedy earlier in this podcast. I mentioned I didn't want to spend too much time on um, on it, but I do have to mention one other thing that took place. It is also baseball, somewhat baseball related, but uh, Roy Holiday, who was a pitcher for the Phillies that year in 09, if I'm not mistaken, it was that, I thought it was his first year in the Phillies, was uh, was 09. And uh, Roy Holiday was an amazing, an amazing pitcher who had great success. He's got a perfect game on his resume. So this is the guy who made his uh, postseason debut in 2000, uh, 2010. Actually, that makes more sense. Holiday must have debuted in 2010 then <laughs> with the Phillies. Oh, you know what it is? I was confu- confusing him with uh, Coles, Cole, uh, Cole Hamels. And um, yeah, he debuted in uh, the postseason in the uh, divisional series, the, the National League Divisional Series in 2010. That was the, the game where he threw a no-hitter in the postseason. And... Uh, Roy Holiday was an amazing athlete for what I've gathered over the last 24 hours from the people who know him best. He was a, an amazing person as well. Um, unfortunately, he passed away yesterday. Um, he was the owner and the sole pilot um, in a, a private plane, uh, Series A2 um, icon. And unfortunately, uh, the the uh, investigators are saying that it was a uh, pilot error. There was something he did that was uh, that was not right, and unfortunately, that decision cost him his life. Uh, he survived, I believe, by a wife and two kids. So um, that's a sad moment right there. Lost a a good guy that a lot of a lot of people respected, not just as the athlete but as the man. So I wanted to put that out there for anybody who did not know, because this happened. Um, it literally happened late yesterday. So I'm filming this, by the way, on Wednesday. So, 
Yeah, so it happened late yesterday. So for anybody out there who did not know, uh, the rumors are con- are confirmed and true. The reports, I should say, not rumors, are confirmed and true. Uh, we unfortunately lost Mr. Halliday yesterday. And um, again, wishing his family well. And It takes time to grieve over this stuff. It really does. It's not exactly the the easiest things that uh, that happen. So especially when you have kids, it's tough, very tough. So that's all the stuff from uh, sports-related. Like I said, guys, this is going to be all over the place as far as the content of this podcast. So all over the place, indeed, it is. So we're going to go a little bit off uh, off topic from sports. Uh, I mentioned Thor Ragnarok not too long ago. And my concerns about the film and how I felt about it. And it was too funny, too comedy-like, too Guardians of the Galaxy-like. I don't know. Just didn't fit and seem like a Thor movie. You know, or like, or especially didn't fit as the third piece to a Thor trilogy series that I never thought I would ever get in my life. And um, it's funny because the opening weekend numbers have come out, and I wanted to throw those out there, that uh, Thor Ragnarok uh, debuted at number one in the box office, which which is Marvel's, uh, is it Marvel or Disney? I think it's Disney. Disney's 17th straight number one movie like debuting at number one just monstrous at this point monstrous and uh thor ragnarok uh, 122 uh, 122 million domestic that's here uh in the united states and uh 300 over 300 globally so far so it's uh it's a hit it's doing well in the box office and that is good news. Good news. But the concerns that I had, I'm finding out from people, are, are coming true. There are a lot of people who saw these, this fucking movie and came away from it saying everything that I was really afraid to fucking say about it. You know, that it felt very Guardians of the Galaxy. It felt very, you know... Uh, 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 comedy like like there were people leaving the movie theater saying man that was it didn't even feel like a thor movie it just everything was funny everything just felt so funny <laughs> i don't know it's just weird it was I, I haven't seen it yet like i said before i'm gonna wait till my wife comes back from puerto rico and, and enjoy it with her because that's like a tradition in the house when it comes to the marvel movies so I'm i'm gonna wait to see it with her but from what i'm being told about this movie already i'm not entirely sure that I'm really that excited to go see it. I don't know. I don't have the same buzz that I felt like with the Avenger movies or even with some, like with local like like for instance, Black Panther's coming out. I'm fucking stoked. I want to see this Black Panther movie bad. I, I want to see it so fucking bad. You know, I I haven't seen anything about Captain Marvel, and I really want to see that movie really fucking bad. So there's a lot of there's a lot going on with that, and I I don't know. I have my I have my doubts. I have my doubts. Maybe you guys can convince me otherwise, but I I have my doubts. And speaking of Marvel movies, there's there's been some stuff going around concerning Disney and 21st Century Fox. I wanted to talk about this for a quick second because it seems like every one of you motherfuckers have your head up your ass. You really do. You're you're free to be fans and you're free to 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 wish and pray and all kinds of other shit about the dream situations. You know, a lot of people like to talk about the dream situations. Well, if Disney owns Marvel and then they buy Fox, we'll be able to finally get all those little things we've been asking for, like a decent Fantastic Four movie or an X-Men Avengers crossover movie or whatever the fuck you guys were coming up with when you came up with this idea that it would for some reason be good for Disney to buy Fox. If that is your only reason for being interested in Disney buying Fox, the possibility of perhaps maybe getting a crossover film between the Avengers and X-Men, if that's the only reason you're good with this, then you really have no idea what's happening here. Okay? Disney owns practically fucking everything of fucking worth right now. Not just the Marvel lines. They st- first of all, they still have the animated film industry on fucking lock. No one comes close. 
And that was what made them billionaires before the Marvel deal. Then we have the fucking Marvel deal, which I just told you was another number one box office debut, which basically resurrected the movie industry right now because no one went to the fucking movies on October. Look those fucking numbers up. They will startle you. No one. It was like people forgot movie theaters existed in fucking October. Like, people who work at movie theaters forgot they had a job in October. No one went to the fucking movie theaters. The movie theater people didn't pay their fucking rent. The people who accept their rent forgot to even collect it. It was an afterthought. Movie theaters were like the way of the VCR in October. It was gone. It was over. And then Thor came out, and all of a sudden, everyone's back in the theaters with their overpriced popcorns and their watered-down sodas. Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, anyway, belongs to Disney. Disney bought a bunch of other shit. Not just the animated movies, not just Marvel. The fucking Star Wars franchise is owned by fucking, by fucking Disney. Disney owns fucking everything. And not just, not just the fucking movie rights, the merch rights, the, 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 the getting cuts off of anything as far as sales. I mean, they have their hands in fucking everything. When the guy running Disney trips and falls, he has his fall broken every single time, but his nice, fat, cushiony wallet. Every time. And you want Disney to own more. You want them to own most of Fox's assets because that's another piece of the puzzle, folks. Disney can't own all of Fox. It's a conflict of interest. There's too much stuff with the news-related stuff and the sports-related stuff. There's there's too much moving on. You, D- Disney owns... Yeah, you want to talk about more shit they own? How about ESP fucking N? ESPN. Yes, that ESPN. They own that shit. So what? They got to go and buy Fox Sports too? They can't do it. You can't do it. And you shouldn't want them to do it. There's so many different things. There's other things at the FX station, National Geographic. There's so much going on with Fox. And for Disney to be a proprietor of that, I mean, come fucking on. It's going to get to a point where you're not going to be able to have anything without a fucking Mickey Mouse logo on it. You guys want them to own more shit? Once upon a time, we lived in a country where people were against monopolization. But one company, it was like the Rockefellers, the, uh, the, the, was it, the, um, the robber barons from back in the day. The J.P. Morgans and the Rockefellers and those guys who just fucking owned everything. And then whoever tried to come up with something on their own, the fucking guys come and they just destroy you. That's what, that's what Disney, that's what Disney, Disney has done. They're attempting that this is their attempt to just monopolize everything. They want to own it all. And I don't blame them for that. I don't sit here and cast aspersions to them. You're in business. And in business, the job is to win, to make as much money as humanly possible, and to keep your company as prosperous as humanly possible. The problem with the situation is they're too fucking good at their jobs. They're fucking excellent at their fucking jobs. The guy who who drew a little mouse on a napkin and turned it into a multi-billion dollar industry, I don't even think he thought it would get this far. Disney has made strides and has not only adapted with the times, they've been ahead of the times nine times out of ten. And they're not willing to, to sit back. They're, they have all the balls in the world to make the big deals. They spent money getting the Marvel rights. They spent money getting the Star Wars stuff. These weren't things that they acquired because they were out of date and they were caught on the cheap because nobody wants to see this shit anymore. No, they bought these things at their peak and they bought high, but they bought a product that will return even higher. They're not afraid to gamble. Some gambling, some gambles they've taken didn't work out. But for the most part, it usually tends to. And that's the problem. If Disney owns fucking literally everything, that's a monopolization and things can get fucking crazy. Okay? 
So I don't know. Be careful when it comes to wanting this kind of stuff in your life. All right, please be careful. Now we're going to we're going to start wrapping closely here and we're going to deviate back toward the realm I know best and the realm I feel the most comfortable in and that's pro wrestling. Just a few quick points here on the pro wrestling end. Something I want I really wanted to divulge into. First of all, I wish a speedy recovery to my main man Sin Cara who got his knee all twisted and jarred up in a match with Corbin and Sami Zayn over in Spain for the U.S. title, getting that push. You know, every single time they try to do something with this guy, something bad happens. Guy is king of the bad timing, but I wish him well. Want to see him come back. He's a good dude, locker room leader. Got to see him doing his thing. So that was a quick shout-out to Sin Cara. Okay, but we need to move. We need to move to one thing I need to address here, and I normally don't. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention for the previous four episodes, but I kind of stay away from Impact Wrestling. I don't talk too much about Impact Wrestling. And the reason for that is because I don't know how not to be biased about it. I have a, a couple of friends who work with the company, people that I know personally, either I've worked through work or through personal lives. And so on that note, I try to stay away. But one of the things I just could not ignore, because who can? No one seems to be able to ignore it. Is all the information coming out about Impact Wrestling supposedly putting in plants as far as fans and paying for extras and getting people to come into the buildings that are not typically wrestling fans and just paying for, they're just padding, basically, for TV. And I see a lot of people talking shit about it and, and you know, fans being fans and even, you know, workers being fans because that's what most workers are now. They're basically fans who bought wrestling boots. So they're on the social media talking all kinds of shit. I would just like to add to the conversation. I'm not going to dominate it. I'm not even going to change it. Because I know nothing I say right here is going to convince you of otherwise. But I would like to add to it. What I'm going to add to it is, so the fuck what? That's it. That's, that's my contribution. So the fuck what? Who the fuck cares? Seriously. What does it fucking matter? Now, if you're a worker, if you're a wrestler... Or even worse, because we've had some situations where referees as well. If you're a referee or a camera guy or a facility manager or whatever the fuck your connection is to Impact Wrestling and you are owed funds and you haven't been paid for your services or better yet, you're still with the company on a handshake deal and you haven't had your uh, your compensation given to you and you see a notice like this, about them paying people to come sit in the seats, you can be pissed. You're the person who should be upset. Where did you get this money from to pay for these randoms? When I'm working for you tooth and nail here, through thick and thin and all the bullshit you guys have me going through, and I have no fucking compensation for it. Where's my money? Where's my piece of the puzzle? Those are the people who should be mad. If you're a fucking fan... What the fuck? Are, what the what the fuck are you mad about? Oh, they're just trying to pad their numbers. No shit. Obviously, they're trying to pad their numbers, cause an empty building looks shitty on pay per view. Durr. What? The, seriously? What the fuck are you supposed to do? If you if you put on an event that doesn't sell well, but you have the ability to still fill the seats, you may take a hit, but at least the product will look good on pay per view. Who the fuck would not do that? Who who the fuck would who owns a built a business and says, "Well, I didn't really meet the quota I'm trying to meet, so fuck it. I'm just gonna sit here and take that zero and go about my life." I have 200 seats. I only filled 50 of it. Oh well, let's leave 150 seats open because I don't want to look fake. I don't want to look like I tried too hard. No, you're just gonna look like an ass. That's why. And this is coming from someone who saw the pay-per-view. I watched Bound for Glory. Bell to bell. Beginning to end. I saw Bound for Glory. That was not a bad show. And it did not look like a shitty show, for that matter. And if you weren't paying attention, they didn't really go out of their way to try to hide sections of that building. For everyone giving them shit that it was an airport hangar, yeah, they showcased that. 
all the shit in the background. They were showing the audience from different angles. Santana going up on the staging brought the lights and notice all the way up there to the rigging, everything. They didn't hide. They didn't do anything fancy to try to get you to look somewhere else. They just did their fucking thing. They they paid for a few people to come into the building. I have some, some sad news for you, bro. A bunch of fucking wrestling companies do that. I can dare to say currently all of them, for the most part. Maybe it's not a regular practice, but they've all padded. First of all, WCW made a fucking business out of padding. Your precious Lucha Underground. Those are not regular wrestling fucking fans. And even just the other day, when the Manhattan Center and the Barclays Center sold out, I was on social media saying, huh, hmm, for someone, for a product that seemingly no one wants to see, it sold out pretty fucking fast. And I had friends going, scalpers, bro. Scalpers bought those tickets. Really? Who are the scalpers? People on the street? Or WWE people on the inside getting those tickets and trying to sell them for double the face value. Either way, it's irrelevant because the padding takes place. Everybody fucking pads. Indie companies. Yes, your favorite indie company, the one you like so much. They pad. Lucha Underground pads. You sell as many tickets as you possibly can. And if you're down to the wire with like an hour left before the show or maybe even a few hours, depending on where your location is, if you cannot sell your tickets, yes, you will either try to give them away to get butts into those seats or you'll work out some sort of deal for a payment later. That way you can do what? Fill the fucking seats. Because the objective at the end of the day is to fill the fucking seats. And it would be a lovely, lovely life if every person who came into the building paid for their ticket. That's the way you want to be. And eventually, if you keep working hard enough, that's the way that you will be. So if you want to criticize TNA for being a company that's supposed to be a national brand, a global brand if you listen to the way that they promote themselves, and they've been so for 15 years, that they should be above padding. Well, on that note, what's the WWE's excuse? Because we know on paper that they've padded. Not only that they pad with audiences, they've padded with numbers. You really think those WrestleMania numbers are for real? You think those numbers, you think 70,000 people here today. Yeah, 70,000 people. How'd you pull that number out your ass? You sold 50,000 tickets. You gave out 10,000 tickets. Math isn't working out. So you guys can give Impact Wrestling all the shit you want about the pad, but if you're going to give them shit about padding, you need to go around and start looking at some of these companies because everybody's fucking padding. You're supposed to. At the end of the day, you make as much money as you possibly can. You squeeze as much juice out of that fucking lemon as you possibly can. And if you can get all you can out and still not fill and look presentable as a product... Yes, you pad. Many promoters have been put in this position where they've had to do this. It's a terrible position to be in when it's your normal practice. You don't want this to be an every fucking show thing. But in case of an emergency or i.e. a pay-per-view, especially since you don't have many of those anymore. Yes, you're going to fucking pad. It's not that fucking hard to figure out. Worst case scenario. Pad the fucking audience. Get as many people into that building as you possibly can. That way, when you're on pay-per-view, it gives the impression that everything is full and everything is fine. That business is booming. That's what you want. You want your business to give the impression that business is good and people are paying attention to it. And then people want to pay to see it. So when people turn on the television, they go, wow, this was a great show. It looks great. It looks presentable. I want to fucking be there. That's what TV is for. What do you think? The people at the Wendy Williams show weren't given the fucking tickets? You can go on Google right now and get free tickets to all that shit. So stop. Stop trying to nitpick. All right? I don't know if you guys fucking noticed, but the landscape in wrestling is kind of thin as it is. We need a viable number two. And uh, and to be honest with you, I know at this point, Impact will never be that. I know they can't be. They've proven they can't be. They've fallen off the bike way too many times. But at least they're fucking trying. 
Ring of Honor is fucking trying. New Japan is fucking trying. Okay? And you can make an argument New Japan is right on WWE's level. I will concede to that. I'm not the biggest New Japan guy in the world. But their production value and the way that they present their product and the superstars they possess and the way they look and the way they feel, that's a fucking promotion. Not too many promotions feel like that anymore. So let's stop handing out these fucking lemons. Let's stop handing out these bags of shit. Okay? And let's get off each other's backs. Now I got two last points to bring up here before I wrap this up and bring this fucker home. You got me all riled the fuck up over here. Leave him alone. Leave him alone, damn it. Leave him alone. Jesus fucking Christ. Two points. Okay? I'm going to go with my first... Uh, no. I'm going to rearrange that. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to present it like this. All right? I'm going to rip the fucking Band-Aid off. Triple H was at a fucking indie show in the UK. Now, some of you find this shocking. It's Triple H. Triple H was at a fucking indie show in the UK. He was invited by Mark Dallas. He was out there with Pete Dunne. They were in Glasgow, man, and they were having a good fucking time. First of all, this is not Triple H's first time in a fucking indie show. It's not even the first time for corporate Triple H to be in the show. The fucker just did an Evolve show like a few months ago and did the same shit that he did in ICW where he came out and just thanked everybody for coming and, you know, yay, yay, rah, rah, independent wrestling. This is where everybody gets their start, blah, 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 blah. I think it was cool that he did it, especially since he basically bent ICW over and fucked it as many times as he has. It was nice for him to actually come out and and show a little uh, public display of affection there. All right, because he's been fucking ICW for months. They may enjoy the fucking. They may hike their asses up just a little bit each time it comes. WWE brings that erection near them. But it's fucking nonetheless. The way that they've used the UK talent is fucking disgusting. It's to the point where they hire these guys specifically so that they wouldn't be special anywhere else. It's like they're ICW or they're WWE, and then that's about it. Now, these guys still do indie shows. They just uh, Pete Dunne was in New York not too long ago. Okay, They're still doing indie shows, but they're signing these guys and then just putting them on the heat. All right, and then he just he just keeps the temperature warm. You know, he does these little things where he'll put he'll put like he did at the takeover. They were a throw on that that you that UK tag match was a throw on. And then we have the fact that WWE is on the road on tour, so they were already fucking there. It wasn't like it was a fucking surprise. He's already been public with the fact that WWE has a relationship with ICW. They happen to be in Glasgow. And Glasgow, they were running a show. It all makes fucking sense to me. So I don't know what the big fuss was, personally. He's done this shtick before. It's the same bullshit. He goes to the indie fans and he fucking says, Oh, I fucking love the indies, bro. I fucking love them. I've loved them for years. I used to sit in these seats and say, man, this is the coolest shit I've ever said. Fuck off. I know that everybody else is enjoying the NXT product. I enjoy it too, but I will never fucking buy into the fact that all of a sudden he's had a complete 180 change of heart when it comes to the indies. I don't fucking buy it. Okay? He sees dollar signs and he's working this shit like a fucking magician. That I'll give him credit for. That I'll give him credit for because that's fucking, it's an awesome way to do that. And it puts my favorite indie guys on my television every week. So even though he's doing it for a douche fucking reason, he's at least doing it. So I'll give him that. Okay, but I'm not going to give him a sticker, a cookie, and an extra glass of milk because he showed up at an indie show for a company he's been fucking for months. So, no, not that impressed. What did impress... Because the Triple H at ICW thing, I think, would have been the headline of the fucking week. Had a special someone not arrived via satellite or on a uh, you know vignette tape at a New Japan show. Again, I'm going to rip the fucking band-aid off on this one. Chris Jericho returning to the Tokyo Dome against the cleaner Kenny Omega. I am not the biggest Kenny Omega fan, but I will tell you he's an amazing athlete and this guy can put on a match like nobody's fucking business. 
him and Chris Jericho sounds like a great fucking match. And I think it would have been a great fucking match had it happened in a WWE ring. You know, where you can slow down, where you can tell a story, where you can work gimmick. That's where Jericho excels at this stage in his career. The days of Jericho going out there for 45 minutes and going move for move with the top star in the Fed, I don't know if that's what we're I don't know if that's where we are today. Especially with Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega can fucking go, bro. Kenny Omega's for real. And there's a reason why we've been calling him Grandpa Jericho for the last two years or so. He had a great one with Kev. He had some great matches along the way with AJ. I mean, I hope he's not really feeling himself here. Okay? Kenny's no joke. And Jericho, especially in a New Japan ring, Jericho's going to have to fucking bring it. Now, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't think he would have taken this match to embarrass himself. But at the same time, will he be able to keep up? I don't know. But we'll all be able to find out by going to New Japan Pro Wrestling World and finding out. January 4th, Wrestle Kingdom 12. That's going to be an amazing show. Now, I've, again, I'm not a big New Japan guy. I gave it a fair shot. I think it was Wrestle Kingdom 9. You know, I sat through Wrestle Kingdom 9. I say sat through because, Jesus Christ, it felt like forever. Now, I know WrestleMania also felt like forever, and I'm a WrestleMania guy. But I will concede to the fact that it took forever and it took too damn long. Wrestle Kingdom takes a long goddamn time. <laughs> there's so many there's so many fucking matches at Wrestle Kingdom. It's really hard to just sit there and fucking commit. For me anyway, to a whole fucking Wrestle Kingdom show. Especially since in every Wrestle Kingdom show, the first two matches burn you the fuck out anyway. It's gonna be two twenty man tags where they're gonna be everyone's gonna break tables and go all through the ropes and all kinds of stupid shit, and then they're gonna give you a technical masterpiece in match three. I don't, I don't, I'm not big on it, but even I have to admit, like I haven't seen a Wrestle Kingdom since nine. Even Okada and Omega didn't make get, didn't get me to sit down and watch Wrestle Kingdom. I want to watch this show, and that's a credit to Chris. That is a credit to him. Not I shouldn't just say Chris. The matchup does intrigue me. Chris versus Kenny. You know, Alpha versus Omega. Jericho versus Kenny. Like, the parameters of that. Like, the way that this is being built thus far. Um, Even though it's been very little so far. You know, Jericho had his video. Kenny's done some press conferences where he's discussed the matchup. So they've been promoting this pretty well. You know? So I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to get into this. I'm going to... uh, I'm going to give it a, a good shot. And I suggest everyone does as well. Like I said earlier, we need more viable options. The WWE absolutely, positively cannot be the only option we have. We need more options. We need more choices. Yes, I know the market is flooded as it is, but if we can just get rid of less quantity and start producing more quality, we will be in a good place in this business. And New Japan definitely, even though I'm not its biggest fan, I can admit is high quality performance. New Japan always brings it. So they already have Okada versus Naito for the IWGP uh, World Championship. And and now we've got the IWGP United States Championship online with Kenny Omega defending against Chris fucking Jericho. And I'm not even going to touch the Mania rumors. I will save that as we get closer. Hopefully within the week we will hear more on those. And by Mania rumors, of course, I mean that uh, that they're working out some sort of deal for a rematch at WrestleMania. That would be interesting. Definitely if Kenny was... It would be more interesting to me if Kenny was still a New Japan contractor wrestler than if he signed to WWE. Because then now we're having some sort of brand touch and that, that to me sounds more useful than a, Kenny, than a feud in New Japan just to get Kenny over so that he can sign with the WWE. That, that just That's just me. I would love to keep him a New Japan guy at WrestleMania because I don't know how many... Have we ever had a New Japan guy like contracted to New Japan at WrestleMania? It's an interesting question. A damn sure, a damn interesting question. I might have to look that up myself. I just thought of that right now. So so that is all the things that I wanted to talk about here. I got through a lot. I, you know, that was a pretty good hour spent, I guess. Like I said, Black Friday is coming up. My real November holiday is Black Friday. And uh, hopefully during Black Friday, I'll be able to get some more stuff going here, uh, equipment-wise, so I can get some more voices on the show and give you guys a much better and well-rounded product. 
I hit a lot of points. Feel free to come at me, bro, and and see where you land and your opinions on this. You know, my my opinion matters to me, but so does yours. And uh, and I would love to hear you guys give me some sort of feedback. Again, if you guys want to comment or send any questions or anything about the show, please feel free to email me at ajorcd96host at gmail.com. Or you can just message me on Facebook, one or the other. All right. So this was episode five. You guys are totally going to regret uh, shitting on Jinder Mahal. You're really going to regret that. I'm going to make sure you regret that. My Maharaja will rise again. <laughs> Please listen to my daddy show. Please listen to my husband's show.